0: Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, let me explain. It's really, really simple. Either me, my guest, or both of us, or all of us, have experienced something for the first time, usually a movie or TV show, and we talk about it because that's how podcasts work. My guests today are two filmmakers from South Dakota, former hosts of the Backlot 605 podcast. Welcome Sam and Casey to the show.
1: Hey, how's it going? What is up, Tad? How you doing? Good. How are you guys?
2: Doing great. Glad to glad to be doing this. Um yeah, we just finished our own our own podcast. We're having our final episode on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of cool to uh this was our first week we didn't have a main channel episode and I don't know how long. So it's kind of funny that we're still
0: <laughs>
1: recording T- a podcast T- T- this week. Tad is our
0: withdrawals.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't give you guys
0: a break. You guys were like, finally, I get to sit down and not record a podcast. And I'm like, not so quick, guys. Let me have you on the worst possible time. Uh, No, it's funny how that sort of worked out, because when I messaged you guys, and and I should have had you on long ago, because we've been talking and you've had me on your show several times... uh, and I had no idea that you, your show was coming to an end. And then, uh, you know, by the time we had figured out sort of a time and that would work, it's like, oh, this is going to be the same week as your final, final episode. Um, so bad timing on my part. But, you know, uh, you can always go back and listen to the old episodes. They'll always be there. They're not going anywhere, right? Oh, no,
1: they they are not. They are not. Uh, I, I think it was kind of a surprise to everyone when we when we announced that we were going away, but I, I guess you can't keep us away for too long, uh, especially talking movies. Um, right. Yeah, I, I mean, every time we've had you on, it's always like, God, we need to have Tad back on. Like, when's the next time we should have Tad back on the show? Because it's so much fun to to chat with you. And then uh, I'm I'm stoked to talk about the movie we're going to eventually talk about, even though I didn't love it. I'm very excited to hear what you guys think about the movie
2: yeah i uh yeah it's kind of funny we we were just talking about I mean, we just had you on this past month for a history of the world part one on backlot, right yep, yeah, and i I feel like I don't know, I feel like maybe that's the reason the backlot is is no more is'
0: <laughs>
1: it's because Casey of and I were just G's. sitting,
2: we were like, no, we were like, there's just not enough tad, there's not enough tad on our podcast.
0: Uh, I'm glad you saved it because it sounded really bad at first. Like it did. You know, I, and the it shows was, it ending was... because you were on it and no one no. likes the show now.
2: Oh, uh, see, this is why I'm just bad with words. That's actually why the podcast is ending, because that was not my intention when I started at all.
0: So how I know you guys is interesting because, uh, Casey invited me onto the show. Like, I think you randomly, I don't know how you found out about the snake alley festival film, but I got an email through, I believe our website and it was like, Hey, I run this website and, uh, you know, I, would you like to come on and chat about it? And, you know, I was sort of adjacent to you guys we're we're right next door neighbors, but we're like in South, I'm in Southeast Iowa, um, the bottom corner and you invited me on the show to talk about the film fest and ever since then i followed the podcast and followed your shenanigans and then we finally got to meet in person at halloween and palooza in 2021 and uh yeah yeah it's just sort of like weird that you have these connections to people that you know it's just a random email that came through and and how did you even find that casey
1: i think i found it through attack of the killer podcast because so i was listening at that point and i just made i don't think i ever put two and two together that you were involved with snake alley and attack of the killer podcast it was more of like oh i saw this film festivals happening in iowa i know some people that have attended it before we should have the festival director come on and talk about it i mean that that that's really what we were That's that's really how I found you, Um, especially in South Dakota, where we don't have a whole lot of film festivals. I was like, well, I'll I'll reach out to Iowa because I have connections there as well. So let's start reaching out to people in Iowa. Just kind of happenstance that I had. Oh, shit. That's the guy I listened to on a horror podcast. Well, how did you find Attack of the Killer podcast? Now I want to like
0: dive deep. There's some kind of conspiracy here,
1: man. I'm I'm originally from Iowa so is Sam so okay. I have an Iowa yeah. connection already It might have been through like the stuff that God I really don't know I have no idea it might have been through like just looking up Iowa horror podcasts and it popped up or something like that I'm sure that's how it went but I knew it was like oh these guys are from Iowa and they talk about horror movies let's I, I should listen to them
0: yeah, and it was funny because, you know, I started as just a guest on that show and just never left until I became a, a co host. But, um, oh
2: my God, that's how I got started with that
0: <laughs> But it was, I remember getting the email and it was like, hey, you want to come on? And I was like, you know, it, it made me feel like, oh shit, someone like outside of my circle knows about this and is reaching out. And I was on the show. And it was just like really cool to be, feel like, um, welcome and, and include and invited onto something like you guys. I mean, Casey, you had no idea who I was. I could have come on and, and you, you hadn't been to the festival and I could have just been an awful guest and really, uh, you know, just blown the whole show. And, and, you know, you had me on and then it, it sort of bloomed this this friendship and relationship back and forth. And, you know, it, it took me way too long to have you on this show. And you've been a guest on Attack of the Killer podcast. And, uh, you know, and then finally sort of comes full circle meeting you at Halloween Palooza, the Iowa sort of horror festival that we we have once a
1: year. Heck yeah. yeah. I, I, that, that It's a crazy thing what podcasts will do. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I've had from doing Backlot almost four years was like, I kind of got unafraid of just asking people to be on the show, even if they were going to say no, like it, it, the biggest stars, like you could think of, I was, it's like, well, if I want to talk to them, I'm going to reach out somehow, some way and, and talk to them. Or if people I've never met before, I think that was a big thing is that we had a guest on every week and half the time I had never met this person before. I maybe knew him from something or Sam knew him for, from something, but it was oftentimes mm-hmm. we were talking to someone for the very, very first time. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy how podcasts can really connect us all in that way. Um, and really form like friendships out of this, and and like going to Halloween Palooza last year with when me and Sam made the made, made the trip down. It was like, all right, here's my one chance that I finally made it to Halloween Palooza. Actually, Tad, that's how I found Attack of the Killer Podcast. Okay, Halloween Now it's coming, it's coming back to me. I was looking up like horror conventions in Iowa, and that's obviously what came up. And I think I, the the the, the string continued all the way down until. That sounded really bad too. All the way down until I found Tad <laughs> at the bottom of the street.
0: You scraped me off the bottom of the barrel. Um, I, no, I scraped him off the bottom. No, It really is. No, because it, it goes from, you know, the guys that f- that founded uh, and started Halloween to Palooza are the prescribed film guys. And I discovered them through Snake Alley because they would submit their shorts. And we, we like, they came to the festival and turned out, I'm like, oh we have a lot in common and it's exactly how when i start talking to you and then it's like you know i was on uh the horror lot with with sam and i'm like oh well sam you know is is an awesome artist and likes horror movies too and suddenly it's like oh we all have so much in common it's and we didn't even know each other before and it's just like this it's just like this tree that keeps branching out you know and you find out that oh like we're all very very eerily similar um Mm-hmm. and 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 like have the same taste and like the same thing. So it's just it's just cool, but uh speaking of film festivals, I know the podcast is ending, but you guys are are looking to get more into the filmmaking side of things, is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We uh we've been uh brainstorming for most of this year actually, just like some ideas that we're kicking around. We've got we've got a couple shorts that we actually we think we can get a couple shorts done this summer. Actually, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Um, We've started storyboarding and scripting and all that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to, uh, I don't know. I feel like when we start, when we started doing this podcast together, we were, we were always talking about other people's movies and it got to a point where like both of us had been involved with other film productions before but we'd never actually made anything together and we were just talking and like neither of us had made anything in such a long time that we were like we should really just start actually making our own stuff we've got the ideas um we've got at least some slight know-how you know we're novices we don't know everything but we've watched a
1: lot of movies to know how
2: yes exactly
1: (laughs) i say that very very ignorantly
2: (laughs) (laughs) i have a ton of film books that i have at least skimmed some of them i've actually read some of them (laughs) i've only skimmed (laughs) but yeah yeah it's just i don't know it's been fun to to Flex are creative because like podcasts are creative as well you know like it's not just sit down and talk like you're always trying to find ways to push yourself and give people something that's worth tuning into on a weekly basis but um i feel like this is just a, it, we're stretching some different creative muscles right now and it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. um our yeah, writing a- sessions are very loose and uh very um Full of, they fit our comedic. They, I was gonna say they
1: fit our <laughs> they fit our sensibilities quite quite well. Well,
0: that's yes. what I was gonna ask. Are you guys like writing together and plan on directing together, or are you guys splitting the duties? Like, who is doing what? Like, what do you guys like to do, or what do you think you know you want to do?
1: I mean, I was, say, I was gonna say I think the 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 nice thing is that we kind of have have different different things that we bring to the table. Uh, yeah. I do. Both of us are. Are I mean, I I think we're both pretty good writers, and I think that's why we work so get so good together. At least in terms of like coming up with with ideas and how they should flow and uh, figuring out you know the story process that way. But I think like otherwise, like looking at I don't know all the stuff Sam brings to the table as, uh, you know as as much as I don't think you want to consider yourself this Sam. Uh, you are a performer. You are a pretty. <laughs> pretty damn good actor just from projects oh. that we were just working on. And I mean, you're a, a you. great, great <laughs> artist too. Both of those things I cannot do. I am a horrible actor and I'm an even worse artist. So uh, I think what we're going to bring together is like having this nice little, little balance between the two of us and what we bring to the table and what we can both kind of work on together because we have very similar sensibilities, uh, especially in terms of like, what genre we want to work in, um, oh, yeah. and what type of movies we want to make, but it's like I don't know this nice colla- creative coll- uh, creative collaboration uh, that we have kind of just blossoming right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, is you know, I think personality-wise, we're like we we gel well together, but we're also different in ways of like. Casey is more of a, like, not to put, seem like I'm putting myself down, I'm not, but Casey's more of a go-getter than I am. Casey likes to get up from his couch and actually go out and talk to people and, <laughs> and make things happen. And I'm kind of, you know, I will, but most of the time I have to be called out first. <laughs> you
0: get a little motivated to, to... Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it, it it works that way, too, Where where, you know... I I have ideas a lot of the time but there's there's also just a part of me that maybe doesn't know how to get them out there as well um or just you know I don't know socially it, socially I think I'm just a little bit more hesitant than Casey is Well
0: no I I it scares the hell out of me to be honest um I've had people over at least every year of the film festival they're like when are you going to have something and i'm like never because (laughs) it scares the shit out of me uh I, i watch these things and i've had filmmakers come up to me and they're like man like i really appreciate you including my film you know and you didn't have to and it's like i wish i could include every film because getting a film made from beginning to end a completed project that is watchable is a fucking miracle and it's like you know even if it's not the greatest it's still you you made something that's more than 99.9 percent of people do you know what i mean and i've talked about this on my last two episodes i have friends who don't really have hobbies like they work and they exist and i'm like man like i and and you're you're sort of saying you're you're selling yourself short sam because i one i see your art always being posted which is awesome um, so yeah. I know, unless someone's kicking your butt every morning to get up and, and create, but it's like, you know, like Casey said, you know, you guys each have your strengths and stuff, but it's like, I know people who literally, and, and it's nothing wrong with them. I just don't think they have that, um, something in them that like you guys, and most of the time, most of my guests and, and a lot of my friends have, where it's like, you know, we're not just here to work a job and go to sleep and exist. Like, you know, we it's like, we can't sit still. We all, all of us have to find something to fill that void, whether it's a podcast or drawing or painting or creating films or writing music or performing and, uh, right. you know, anything it's like, and I feel like I've surrounded I've over the years, I've just surrounded myself with so many these people that it's, it's motivated me to keep going on these things where I'm like, what am I doing this for? Does anyone care? I'm just, I feel like sometimes I'm throwing it out into the void, but then it's like, well, look around you, man, like you have so many talented friends all around you that are constantly creating. It's just, it, it, you know, it's it's sort of what keeps me going. And um, I hope sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm helping throw that out into universe too. like, you know, keep going, keep doing what you're doing, because there are people that are watching and paying attention. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it, it needs to happen, especially right now where this world sort of sucks. It's like we need more art, right. we need more collaborating, you know, and it's, it's just good to see you guys aren't like after your last episode, you aren't just going to go disappear into the ether. You, you're going to be making films, which is terrifying. Like I said to me, not something I ever it intimidates the hell out of me. I've watched my friends do it. And I'm like, man, I don't know, especially my writer friends writing I, directing. I can see you're on the set. You're telling people what to do writing. You're sitting in a room by yourself trying to uh, seems like a nightmare to me. <laughs>
1: Looking at a blank page on your computer screen is the, maybe the scariest thing ever.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I mean it yeah. seems awful. I have friends who are comedians and I'm like, that's fucking terrifying too, but like writing jokes, writing screenplays to me seems like the hardest thing in the world. and I'm amazed that I have friends who do both of those things.
2: Oh, see, that part's my favorite. The writing the writing process is my favorite. The ideas and the the throwing everything at the wall, seeing what sticks structuring the story coming up with new gags like all that kind of stuff is my favorite part of the process um I, it is scary but I think maybe that's what I like about it is it's just you're kind of I'm not an adrenaline junkie so that's like my version of cliff di- like cliff diving you know I'm just gonna stare at this blank page and I'm gonna jump right off of it you know
1: so instead of playing Sylvester Stallone and cliffhanger you want to be the guy writing cliffhanger
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: that's Which, that's you know, the perfect
2: metaphor. <laughs> but
1: Sly is a
0: pretty good writer himself and a director. So, uh, you know, it, it, and an actor, I mean, I, I would argue that he's probably a better director than an actor for the most part, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna, I'm not trying to shut down your, your, uh, metaphor, but, um, you know, it's, it is impressive when guys can do everything, but it's just good to hear you guys are still going to stay in the film world. If anything more so involved, um, you know and, and it's, it's good to I can't wait to see what you two come up with because uh, you guys have similar taste to what I do and like a lot of the same stuff I do and and I just know how much it how much work it takes to do a weekly podcast and you guys did it for f- four years and you know there's no doubt that I, I can see you guys uh, filmmaking won't be anything for you guys it's just the next uh, fun fun thing for you guys to do so'm excited to see what you do
1: yeah, that's awesome. So, I I appreciate so it. We nice we, we, yeah. we we need that. We need that right now. Because yeah, we, we just yeah. Did, did get done a few weeks ago writing a little short kind of comedy script together and it was like like Sam said, like this adrenaline rush of like, Oh my god, we're back into this this type yeah. of creative process, uh, after being in it's a it's a very different mindset you have to be in like if you're creating something like like a film script or if you're working on a movie or a TV show or anything like that, it's very different mindset than it is a podcast where you're kind of from this, like in a way, like an analytical perspective. Oh yeah. You have to kind of be on the exact opposite of that when you're on the, I don't know, the the creative or the writing spectrum. It's very, I don't know, very weird, but kind of, I I feel like the last four years have been a, a preparation for switching back to this side because like for me and sam i think you've made a couple shorts within the last couple years but for me it's been almost four or five years since i've made anything so it's like kind of getting back into the the groove of that is is, is, it's 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 a process but it's, it's starting to come back and uh i mean that doesn't mean i'm gonna stop watching like horror movies which is Something I'm <laughs> yeah. very excited to do is like, oh, I don't have to watch something that's not a horror movie. I can watch a horror movie instead. Okay, that's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, and we've even talked about, we're like we're probably not even out of the podcast game in the long run. Like, eventually, we're probably going to, you know, it's Casey and I, we talk about movies on a weekly basis anyways. Like, eventually, we're probably going to do something or other that's similar but you know there's just right now we wanted to do something a little different and uh just i don't know branch out see what we could do and i'm sure one day you might see a themed podcast or two pop into your feeds your ear we've talked we we, we've talked about a few ideas hashtag do heads um (laughs) (laughs) So you know, I don't know. Is that your it's, Mountain it's Dew all... podcast? <laughs> yeah, our, our Scooby Mountain Dew podcast. Actually, I liked both of those things a lot in high school, so I could Scooby talk Dew at and length Mountain about Dew all go, of them.
1: Go go together quite well.
2: They do, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, you'll always have a home on here. So, you know, you you guys won't be able to go too far because I'm always going to be asking you, bugging you guys to come on and, and check some movies off my list. And we'll probably have you back on Attack of the Killer podcast, too, because we're always looking for guests. And I sort of Heck long yeah. for the days where uh, I'm almost jealous of you guys because like I sort of just want to watch a movie to enjoy it and not create content out of it myself uh, once in a while. And hopefully once the film festival passes again and I get always get a little break there where I can actually just enjoy things and not, it doesn't feel like homework, but uh, yeah. Speaking of horror, I guess we should get to what we came to talk about. So um, my listeners know that this show is about first time listens or not listens. First time watches for movies, first time listening to this podcast for a lot of you. Um, Cause I feel like I I always forget that not just my friends listen to the show. Like you guys probably have people that will be like, Oh, I'm going to check out the show. Cause Sam and Casey are on. Um, right but I hope, I hope so yeah i it, hope so too yeah i assume it, we'll, we'll get some some new listeners but um basically i have these two lists of movies ones i would love to talk about and then this massive uh, ever growing never whittling down list of movies i need to watch and want to watch um and it's funny because people always assume i host a, a you know, a horror movie podcast and this podcast, I, I, a film festival, I've seen it all, right? Like, no, I have not seen shit. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. <laughs> I've seen a lot of weird, weird deep cuts, um, not a lot of the big films. And people, when they see that list, it's, it's sort of exposing myself. But um, I sent this out to you guys. We, we knocked around a few ideas on what we could do. And we decided on a movie that none of us had seen. Um, so today we are going to talk about the pit and the pendulum.
1: This was my father's world, Mr. Barnard. The shrieking of mutilated victims became the music of his life. The blood of a thousand men and women was spilled within these walls. Limbs twisted and broken, flesh burned black. Starring Vincent Price, truly a master of the macabre. John Carr in a challenging role. Barbara Steele, more blood chilling than in Black Sunday and introducing, taunting, Luana Anders.
0: Nicolas.
2: Elizabeth? Is that you? Elizabeth? While we were up here mourning her, she was alive. Struggling
1: to be free. This you are lying, sir. When Maria screamed, where were you? You lie! <laughs> I'm going to torture you, Isabella. I'm going to make you suffer for your faithlessness to me.
2: (laughs) You hold it!
1: All the violence of angry seas. The unseen forces of the unknown. The unforgettable memories of a long-forgotten childhood. All these you will feel in your very blood. Do you know where you are, Bartholomew? You are about to enter hell.
0: An abrupt ending to that trailer. Uh, the Pit <laughs> and the Pendulum was released August 23rd, 1961, written by Richard Matheson, based on the story by Edgar Allan Poe and directed by the legend Roger Corman. Uh, we have cinematography by Floyd Crosby, sets designed by art director Daniel Holler and a film score composed by Les Baxter, starring Vincent Price as Nicholas Medina, or Medi- Medina, yeah. Uh, John Kerr as Francis Barnard, Barbara Steele as Elizabeth Barnard Medina, Medina, um, Luana Anders as Catherine Medina, Anthony Carbone as Dr. Charles Leon, and Patrick Westwood as Maximilian. Okay. This is one... There's there's this sort of um, almost Edgar Allan Poe universe that Roger Corman and Richard Matheson did with Vincent Price... I Mm -hmm. have not seen any of these. This is uh, my introduction. I am uh, even will admit that I am very. I I have Edgar Allan Poe books that I, as uh, Sam would say, skimmed and haven't read, (laughs) um, which means they've sat on my shelf for many years and collected dust. But uh, I'm not too familiar with the story. I sort of went in completely blind. It's been on my list because I own the Vincent Price collection from Scream Factory, so. Uh, I can't wait to hear what nice. you guys thought of this one. It, it, first time watch for both of you, right?
2: Yes, first time watch. Um it's funny though, I've definitely watched the first 20 minutes of this or so because when I when I started it up and the the credits come up and there's the the paint flow over the camera, which I thought was a really cool yeah, visual to Very start stylish. the movie off. I was like, oh, I've seen this. Like, I've seen this before. I might have started this before, maybe when it got put on Shutter with the Vincent Price collection. I own it on Voodoo and I have it on VHS. So like this movie's around me a lot. Um, But after the first 20 minutes, I promptly was like, no, I have not seen any of this because I I knew the basic setup and that was it. Um, I love Edgar Allan Poe's writing ever since middle school when we were, you know, like forced to read The Raven or whatever in eighth grade and everybody was grumbling about it. And I was like, can we read more of this guy? Um, but I, I have not read The Pit and the Pendulum, the story. Uh, so this was this was new. I didn't know quite where it was going. I knew there was going to be a pit and I knew there was going to be a pendulum. <laughs> I did not know when they were going to pop up or in what capacity. Um because, I mean, I think we all probably have seen the, like, iconic image of the bladed pendulum before. Right. That's mm-hmm. an icon of pop culture. And if you're an Elvira fan like me and you've seen Elvira's Haunted Hills, um, which spoofs pretty mo- pretty specifically these Corman, Price, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations... Um, there's, there's some pit in the pendulum thrown into that movie as well in a more humorous manner. Um, but yeah, once I, once I got past the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen in this movie. And uh, Vincent Price just doesn't disappoint, I got I to gotta say. I, he's luminescent in everything he does, and this is, this is no different. This actually might be one of my favorite performances I've, I've personally seen from him.
1: Yeah, I'm in the I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. This is this is my my first time watching this version of the Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, I've I've seen the uh, full moon version from like ninety mm-hmm. three.
0: Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> ninety two or ninety three. Yeah, and I saw when I looking up this one, I saw some stills from it. I'm like, I'm glad we're watching the Vincent Price one. That one looks awful.
1: <laughs> I actually like that one. It's actually oh. not, it's it's like in that good era of full moon of like, oh, they actually put some money and got filmmakers who put in actual effort to make a movie um, on like kind of a uh, modern full moon. I I would say it's definitely one of their kind of better, uh, especially in, in, in that era. But uh, I also like Sam, like read this uh, in middle school. I read, Pit, or I, I read Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, we read The Raven and Cask of uh, Amontillado. Uh, so we read all of those. And again, like Sam kind of mentioned, everybody in the class is like, Oh, why are we reading this? This is so old. This is so dark. Why don't we read something more modern here? I'm like, no, please give me more of this. This is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But it had been obviously since middle school, since I had even remembered the story of Pit and the Pendulum or... Or the Raven or anything like that so uh in terms of like how much of a adaptation this is i really don't remember all i remember is the like the image in my mind of what the pendulum looked like from the story and that's about it um and as far as like corman and price movies go this is my first of their poe adaptations and i kind of looked it up because I was like god i've i know I've seen a lot of like produced Roger Corman movies Mm -hmm. because it's kind of hard not to, if you're a horror fan. Right. But I think the only Corman directed movie I've seen prior to this was little shop of horrors. I think that was it.
2: I still haven't seen the Corman little shop. I need to, because I love the, uh, I love the Frank Oz one.
1: Check it
0: out on shutter because Joe Bob had Roger Corman on the last drive in for that movie
2: oh uh, really it's mm-hmm.
0: it's a truly awful print of it i don't know how shutter even how it passed quality control because it's almost unwatchable the movie itself but <laughs> um you know the the segments are worth it just because he actually is via zoom because it was during uh you know the the peak COVID time oh, right. but uh and thank god you know we saved roger corman but uh just a gem to hear those two shoot the shit back and forth and hear him tell stories about the making of it. You could just watch that part alone after watching the movie and it would be um, worth it. But yeah, Roger Corman, I mean, when we lose him, it's going to be a huge hole in the, the world of horror. And, and this is one of the rare ones yeah. uh, that he directed, which is really cool to, you know, I, I think he was underrated as a director because mm-hmm. we know he produced about a billion horror movies um, and only directed a, a handful in comparison I mean he he directed plenty but in comparison to how many he's produced and uh visually uh this movie's really cool like I sort of hate this era of time period in films uh it's really boring to me and I just this period pieces and I, I sort of said the same thing with like the Northmen like Vikings like I just I don't know what it is I, I almost want to go to sleep right away when I see this stuff but I was like Vincent Price is going to give us a bombastic performance that's going to keep me into it. And of course he did. I I, I will mm-hmm. say I did not love the movie, but I still um, enjoyed myself from beginning to end. And it's only 80 minutes. So if there's anything I can say about it, it's short and, and there's no filler. It's all killer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say this isn't one of my favorites of this era. Um, I So... I've seen House of Usher. I actually, we got to watch House of Usher in like eighth grade during our Poe unit. And I remember that one, the ending, freaking me out quite a bit. Um, it, does, it doesn't it does freak me out as an adult, but as a 14-year-old who is still just a horror novice, it very much freaked me out. Um, the Mask of the Red Death is awesome. Their adaptation of The Raven is a very loose adaptation, and it's got him and... Uh, Bela Lugosi in it and it's almost mm. more of a horror comedy between two dueling sorcerers. Oh. <laughs> and it's it's crazy. Um so I I think out of out of those this might be my my least favorite overall but I think Price's performance in this is just really what what gets me gets me through. Um because yeah, it it's it's a period piece it's it's very exposition heavy in the first half of this movie. Um, a lot of talking and walking around a, a admittedly really cool
0: a spooky castle.
2: Spooky mm-hmm. castle. Um, I love the set design in this. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. It's appropriately macabre. It's it's cobwebby and just <laughs> I yeah I I dig it. Um, but yeah, this movie doesn't pick up steam until about the last. Half hour of it, um, and then it just goes full throttle. Um,
0: yeah, it, but it, it sort Vincent of, uh, yeah, yeah, it builds up, it has a slow build up, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. It's when you talk about slow burn movies, this is the definition of a slow burn movie.
1: This, this era of film, I'm kind of like 50 50 on because, especially like the American, you know, era of horror during the 50s, 60s was I don't know we were stuck in this weird place between like monster movies were kind of the big thing you know obviously like the atomic horror was was around this time Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and our big you know the big um, uh, American horror actor was Vincent Price and that's kind of all we had I mean obviously a year before this was Psycho and that's a conversation for a, a different day but uh but like looking at other 60s films like you have to go to like what what they were doing, doing in, in, in you know, great Britain and what they were doing with British horror at the time, like hammer yep. was huge at this time. And like they, but they had so many different actors that could kind of seamlessly come in and out of all these movies. And it kind of feels like we were, we had the, our King Vincent price. He was, he was it. And he was our go-to guy. Um, and like Sam said, he crushes every time he shows up on the screen he is the only reason like that this movie works at all, in my opinion. Um, if you have anyone else in this lead role other than Vincent Price, the movie doesn't work. I mean, I think visually it looks great and the sets are pretty damn incredible and has some like unique filmmaking aspects. But that mm-hmm. can only take you so far if you don't have a character to follow. And as soon as like Vincent Price starts kind of going crazy, but also like... Keeping us on his side the entire time. He has such this weird balance uh, within his face that you're like, yeah, this guy's kind of crazy. Like I don't want to be near him, but also I think he is telling the truth because of of how how well he's telling all these things that are that he's kind of reminiscing about. Um, and and that's really that it's not necessarily a, a character thing. It's more of like, no, Vincent Price is that charismatic. And has that kind of presence on the screen that kind of keeps you engaged during those slower parts, especially in the first half of the movie. Um, the, I mean, the movie kind of picks up as soon as we start seeing like his flashbacks to to childhood and what happened to his wife. That's really when the movie starts to pick back up. And and, and for me, like the the second and third act really kind of keep a nice steady pace uh, going forward because we have vincent price to fall back on and we're not just stuck on oh these are characters we don't care about wandering this castle and still trying to figure out like what's the actual story going on here who are these people how are they all related right. how do they connect yeah because mm. it's
0: an 80 minute movie and we only have really four main characters in one set they don't leave this castle in the movie the only time we really even see outside the castle is when uh francis shows up and knocks on the door and they spend you know a good amount of time introducing these characters in the backstory and sort of teasing us back and forth on whether um vincent or nicholas i guess which i laughed when he when we find out his name is nicholas i'm like it's so it just seems like a little kid's name and he's you know vincent price and so i i will probably call him vincent price throughout the whole episode because he's vincent price but um Mm -hmm. When he, you know, he answers or when she answers the door and he comes in and they're sort of, you know, my sister's disappeared and I came to see where she's at. Um, and, and again, this is set in 1547 Spain. Um, and it's like, OK, um, you know, we're getting to know these characters very slowly. And I'm like, we, we only have 80 minutes, so they better pick up the pace. And we find out, you know, he's looking for his missing sister. Okay, she's dead. But how did she die? Well, you know, nobody's being straightforward with him. Well, we're not really sure. What do you mean? Well, the doctor said it was a rare blood disease. Well, What does that mean? Um, We're not quite sure. Oh, conveniently, the doctor shows up, you know, and now (laughs) now we can question him. But it's like in that time period, you know, you would travel across the country to go find your sister. Where now we just text like, hey, where's my sister? You know, uh, (laughs) yeah it's just now we
2: don't even get up off the couch if a loved one might be gone
0: (laughs) right right and you know it's just it's all set up basically for this big uh finale with when we finally do see the pit and the pendulum but like casey was sort of saying in the 60s that's sort of what it was you know we're all sitting on the edge of our seats waiting like sometimes impatiently because it's it's going a little slow it's like okay when are we going to get to see vincent price go crazy and use this torture apparatus on this poor guy that's what we're waiting for and uh you know we we finally do get it it's right at the end i mean sort of like um you know i was thinking when watching this i'm thinking of like house on a haunted hill where it all goes you know builds mm-hmm. up to the skeleton scene and which is way less uh climactic than this this is sort this is cool and actually has sort of a uh a build of terror as the uh the pendulum swings and the blade is getting closer to the guy there's at least some tension there where the skeleton scene is is really hokey but it's still fun but (laughs) um you know like like Casey was saying too this performance i feel like uh it's really great where we're sympathetic with him at first we're like okay who is this guy he's hiding a secret from the brother what's the story and then we find out okay he's He's emotionally tortured, and, and you know he's he's very dramatic about losing his wife, uh, and and this is you know a big deal, and and he's he he just cannot stand the idea of her dying, and then we find out like the doctors like well no she she died of a heart malfunction, then it's like okay, is Vincent Price is Nicholas is he lying now? So it, we're constantly going back and forth on whether we trust him or don't trust him, and he plays that really well where. I felt sympathetic for him through the whole movie, even when he does go crazy. And mm-hmm. I it sort of felt almost confusing towards the end where it's like playing with my emotions. I'm like, who do I want to get out of this alive? You know, cause we, we it turns yeah. out, you know, it's obviously, it, but the, the story got a little convoluted towards the end where I'm like, is Nicholas is he he's mistaking them for other people because he's he's absolutely insane, right? Is that sort of yeah? He, he just he, he's
2: I think he snapped when when he found out that he was being betrayed yet again, and I think that he, was just the straw that broke the camel's back.
1: Like, is it like his because the the story he tells about how his mother died and how he watched it was like it was his dad and his uncle correct yes and yeah, his, and his mom his, his mom
2: his, was cheating on his dad with his uncle
1: with his uncle and, so and his, i think that's who he's 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 kind of in a way not in a way like projecting himself as his father and going after his uncle and his mother is how but but then he calls two different people his uncle
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: very very convoluted but like it's it's a ton of fun but it's it, it is a really like weird like Trajectory for the movie to all of a sudden go in the last five minutes of yeah, this movie yeah it goes
0: really fast it's like I did I I had to like stop and I'm like did I miss something so I had to look it up on on like Wikipedia reading through it I'm like so he was projecting like you know his own torture because I really did and, and Casey mentioned it, it really ramps up when we have a, our first flashback scene and I love that scene where we see a young Nicholas who's in the pit watching his mother and I think like you said, the uncle and you have like a brother, right? And then, uh, torturing the mom. And at that time we think it's to death. And then later on it's questioned whether she actually had died or she was put in this pit and basically, um, entombed alive and, and left to die a slow death. Um, but it was really cool. They sort of had this, like, you know, this is, this was in made in 61 set in 1547, but it, The way it was filmed for the throwback reminded me of like 1920s silent film. Like it had a very Nosferatu, Caligari look with like a blue sort of uh, like filter over the top. I really thought that scene was really cool and stylized.
2: Yeah, I love the color filters that they use because they do that a lot in the in the final act, too, where it just gets a little bit more hallucinatory. Um, He starts blending his past with the present and you start seeing like different colors flashing over the like different color filters, flashing over the different shots. And, uh, I, there there are things in this movie to always keep it somewhat engaging, even when the plot kind of takes a while to get going. Um, there's enough visual flourishes throughout to where I was like, I, I was always at least engaged in what, what Corman was doing. Uh, I think he I think he so often gets passed off as just schlock but I mean some of his movies are incredibly cinematic and I think Vincent Price kind of adds to that because Vincent Price is a play to the like he's he he's a movie actor that acts like a stage actor I mean he is playing to the back row in just about every single movie he's in and especially this one i mean the dude just straight up like put like puts his hand over his forehead and faints at one point <laughs> and like i was like i was watching this i'm like people don't faint anymore like if you notice that like i don't oh, know yeah. what what the big deal with fainting was back then like it, it, they they had special couches for people to faint and i'm just like was fainting that big of a like it was was Fainting COVID back then where it was just like, oh, don't go out and touch people or you'll faint in a few days. Like, I don't know, because you never hear about that happening anymore. Um, but were... yeah, Vincent Price faints like two or three times. In this yeah, movie. they they
0: weren't desensitized like we all are. You know, they can't stand yeah. uh, sudden movement and, and anything too exciting. Right. <laughs> No, I was. I made, while watching it, I thought of a movie we recently watched for Attack of the Killer podcast, which I, I, I looked up on um, Letterboxd was The Nightwalker, which was made in '64. And it made me think of that. Like, it has that mm-hmm. classic sort of twist ending that is not. I mean, it's a twist, but it's sort of like compared to what we have now, um, not that big of a deal. But it's like, you know, it almost like there was no way to predict it because it's so far fetched, where it's like. Oh, the whole time it was a, a ruse to make him feel like he's going crazy so we can trap him down in the pit and make out with his, you know, riches or whatever and it's like yeah, you got me because that is not realistic. Like, you know, it's like the the twist is like <laughs> I, I told it, it totally took me by surprise because it's not believable, but um also it's just sort of like a classic who done it, you know? I mean, they they do the whole thing of like the harpsichords playing by itself. He finds his wife's ring, um, you yep. know, and in, in it's like, oh, is he is he going crazy or is she still walking around the house? Or is it both, um, you know, and we're along for the ride, sort of uh, looking at it through Nicholas's eyes as this. Uh, and I did think the brother and the doctor, they could have picked two actors that looked a little bit different than each other, because I'm like, these guys <laughs> both have the bad haircuts, uh, you know, they, they, they just look so similar that I'm like, can we not just pick a standard white guy with brown hair and a, a page boy haircut? I mean, they look so similar. that it was almost confusing at times, which one was which, mm-hmm.
2: but maybe that's how he mistakes both of them for his uncle because they look so similar. <laughs> Cause even his uncle looks like he's, I swear they just like cast triplets in these roles because his uncle looks similar in the flashbacks too. For a minute in the flashbacks, I'm like, wait, is this a flashback? I, I, you know, I, yeah. There are a lot of basic white dudes in this movie that just look alike.
1: <laughs> that add to the already confusing movie of like, who, who is everybody? How are they all related? <laughs>
0: right. And what, the, wait, yeah.
1: what, what is, what is the plot? What, what are? The, so I want to ask you guys, like, what do, you, what were they trying to get out of this? The, the wife, Elizabeth, and her. Who? And I don't even remember which one. Was it the doctor? It was doctor the doctor. She? Okay. Yes. See, I didn't yes. even think it was the doctor. she was Because okay. the, the doctor falls doctor.
2: into the pit, and then Vincent Price can't find him, and then the brother-in-law comes down, and so Vincent Price is just like, well, I can't find the doctor, so brother-in-law, you're going to be my surrogate brother that I'm going to kill. And yeah, you know, I mean, 60s movie logic, am I right?
0: Yeah, the, the, the point where they thought they scared him to death... And they're and they're doing the old like uh, uh, 007 thing where the villain explains the plot like they have (laughs) Vincent Price and they're like and, and you know, the doctor's like, are you sure he's out? And she's like, yes, he's 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 gone. And then he sort of like opens his eyes and smiles and he starts doing that evil laugh. And it's like, ha ha, I waited for you to explain exactly all of your intentions and I'm alive again and it's like <laughs> you know oh darn he got me one of those it's like a, a a throwback to scooby-doo man it is like you know those mm-hmm. those darn kids they got me but you know it's it's a lot of fun but a little convoluted especially towards the end for a movie that has four characters in one setting i was like wait who i'm like who's it? And barbara Steele's playing what okay she's elizabeth but she's like okay and but i d- will say this at the very very end the final shot where we see her in the uh what would you call that? Like a,
1: a
2: in the like sarcophagus type thing? Yeah, like a it's trap. The clo-
1: it's it's the closet from Matilda.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and when she's stuck the in the choky. closet, <laughs> the choky, <laughs> uh, When she's stuck in the dungeon in this like, yeah, little trap, um, and it shows her eyes, which you know she has some of the the cool, like the most recognizable eyes in in all of horror history. Uh, yeah, Barbara Steele and. It, the trailer totally fucking lies when it says more chilling than black sunday black sunday's a masterpiece compared to this but um having that final scene i, I can imagine in the 60s that was terrifying like oh she's they're leaving her in the pit alive and she's going to you know slowly die like his you know like they tricked him into thinking that his that she did you know originally um uh, yeah it was like you know it, it was a roller coaster ride sometimes a little a little more confusing than it needed to be for an 80 minute movie, but it had some really cool stuff in it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I I, checked it off the list. It would be fun, probably more fun to watch on like a stormy night in October. It would probably fit. Oh yeah. You know, the old castle and, and like you said, it's, it's a Vincent price movie first and foremost. Um, I'm very curious uh, to see. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go read the Edgar Allen Poe story. I probably have it on my <laughs> in my bookshelf, um, but I'm not going to read it. But I'd be curious to Google to see, you know, how close it is to the story, because that, you know, obviously it had to have uh, the pit and the pendulum at the end, which was the whole point of this building up to this finale that everybody was waiting for. They they sold it on it. You know, the trailers uh and and the the apparatus is cool as hell in the movie it's very impressive um you know and seeing vincent price in the cloak um sort of playing yes and and he does Mm -hmm. play his dad in the flashbacks uh which i think is always cool you know and and they even sort of wink wink at you when um the brother gets there and they put him in the room and he's like is that you that painting and it's clearly a painting of him he's like no it's my father and it's like (laughs) yeah oh because you know we need more confusion of course then later on (laughs) It, it, it all makes sense because you know he's he's delusional and thinks that he is his father and he's going to torture her but um yeah and and then we it, it cracked me up when she takes him down the brother down and he's like you know they lie and say nicholas is resting and they're going through these tombs and it's like they are down in the pit it's like did no one have time to take care of some of these cobwebs? It seems like you guys are down here an awful lot. Like, no one has <laughs> a fucking dust. Right? But, of course, that's what makes it a spooky 1960s Vincent Price movie. It's like yep. a castle. It's like they have a checklist. We have Vincent Price. What what do we need? We need a shit ton of cobwebs. We need um, <laughs> a very big castle that's, that has creaking doors. Um, can you get some cloaks? Maybe some, you know... Um, uh, some mysterious candles uh, how about a harpsichord like yeah that would be good you know it's like we have a checklist of things that we need for this type of movie and and it, it hits all the checklist
1: yeah yeah I was gonna say like something you said earlier was like oh this would be a perfect like stormy nights October movie and that's exactly what this is is like you want to just like it's raining outside. It's 10 o'clock at night. You need to watch something. This goes in like the, like House on Haunted Hill is another one. Or like the old Dark House of like... They're not great movies. But like they're the kind of these perfect movies to watch on like a dark and stormy night. To just be kind of put into a mood. It's more of a mood mm-hmm. movie than it is like a deep character analysis or a visual movie. To express uh, things more visually than that. Um, and I mean, as far as like this story goes, like it's, it's like I said, I haven't read the original pit in the pendulum since middle school. So I'm, I'm, I am i do not really remember what the story is besides all I remember is that it's like a first person point of view. And I don't know if it's like from the character that's actually on the pendulum slab in this movie or, or not, but like the, the full moon version is very different than this one. It's not like this weird four people in a house pseudo love story love triangle movie um it's more of like this kind of like set during like a wartime era um
2: during movie. the actual it, spanish inquisition right
1: yeah yeah and yeah. so i i don't i, I can't I, I think the original poe is more in line with with the full moon version um than this one but also i find it fascinating that charles band who was kind of the roger corman of his time also dabbled into into Poe with his version of, of Pit and the Pendulum. I find that kind of
0: it a must, nice must be balance about between the two cheap or public domain that they can just use it for free because they're both notoriously like take cheap things and you know spend as little money mm-hmm. and, and make get get the best product out of nothing. Um, sort of go getter filmmaker. Yeah. So I, I imagine you know the story might be in the public domain somewhere. My friend Brian Clark is is screaming at his uh, speakers in his truck and he's going to message me when this drops on Monday to correct me on everything. I will say I looked (laughs) it up. It is an Iron Maiden that she was stuck in. um, Okay, yeah. Which is so cool. You know, how could I forget the you know, Iron Maiden? But uh, not that, you know, it's funny because we just watched or at least I just watched Joe Bob Briggs do Black Sunday and she gets put Mm -hmm. in Iron Maiden like right away in the first scene, like a mask hammered (laughs) into her face. Um, So, you know, she sort of became known for that.
1: I was not expecting a uh, Barbara Steele almost double feature because I had watched uh, Black Sunday from Joe Bob and then this, obviously, within a couple days of each other. So that was... Yeah, like, so oh, it to make oh, a sort shit, of cool nice. little
0: double feature together, I think.
1: Yeah, one is much yeah. better than the other, though.
0: Yeah, but, you know, uh, yeah, I still think uh, it'd be fun. And, and this is, uh, you know, one that I'm glad I own. Uh, I, I do have the... Uh, I got it as a Christmas gift, I believe, the Vincent Price collection. And it has... A lot of, I think it has all of the, uh, the Corman and, uh, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, which now, you know, I want to check out the others and, and see how they compare.
2: I'd be interested to see how you guys feel about uh, house of Usher because it deals with a lot of similar things. Like price is crazy. Price has a tomb down there that might have an alive person in it, or it might not. (laughs) And like it. Like, thematically and just story-wise, there's a lot of similarities between the two movies. I think House of Usher does it a little bit better, but House of Usher was also the one I saw first. It's also the one they made first, so I, I don't know. I, I would be interested to see what you guys think um, if you ever watch uh, House of Usher, because I really dig that one. But it's it's also very similar to this. Um, it's a slow burn It's a little talky in the beginning and then, you know, shit hits the fan in the last half hour or so. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I just I find House of Usher maybe just a little more engaging along the way.
0: So what would you guys say as far as uh, what are some of your favorite like Vincent Price movies? Like if, if someone said, you know, recommend like maybe your top two or three that that come to mind that you just enjoy the most.
2: I love his House of Wax. I love House of Wax. And House on Haunted Hill is incredible. And I'm also just going to say, like, this isn't a movie, but his episode of The Muppet Show is one of my favorites. <laughs>
0: nice.
2: I absolutely love his episode of The Muppet Show. It's one of my favorites. He bites Kermit with vampire fangs. I mean, what more could you want from I a Vincent Price that. Muppet? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was looking this up too because I was like, God, obviously I know who Vincent Price is, and I, I I'm sure I've seen a dozen of his movies. I I hardly watch. I have seen any in any, any Vincent Price movies. I mean, I've seen House on Haunted Hill. Um, I've not seen House of Wax. I, like I said, I haven't seen any of his other Poe stuff. Um, what I was kind of introduced to him by was again, this is just going to keep coming up, Sam, in any any podcast we ever do. Scooby Doo uh, when we, he <laughs> when was, he like, voiced get-
2: Vincent Van Gogh.
1: When he voiced Vincent Van Gogh, so I think that yes. was my that was my introduction to Vincent Price, and then like obviously the later Tim Burton stuff that had a you know him yes. in it or huge inspiration. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was uh yeah, he's... looking through his IMDb too, and it's like I'm the same way where I'm like, you know, he's a he's like a piece of our pop culture, especially in the horror world, but in general, mm-hmm. he's a household name, and I'm like, man it's embarrassing how many uh, films of his I haven't seen like just a small handful, but I, we've played um, the last man on earth, which, you know, later became, I am legend, you know, a different adaptation yep. based on the same mm-hmm. story. I've never seen I am legend, but I've, we've played uh, last man on earth at the theater a few Octobers and, and seeing that on a big screen and gorgeous restoration, black and white, that is really that I highly recommend some of that. Like,
2: that's a good movie.
0: You watch that and you see a lot of influence on modern stuff. Like it's like, holy shit, a lot of people stole from this movie. It's not perfect, but there's little things that you see, like ten different movies borrowed from that movie. It's very, um, I would say, very influential on a lot of modern sort of uh, zombie stuff. Uh, So that that would probably be like one I always recommend uh, if when people think of him, you know, and then, of course, this is really stupid because it's not really even him. I mean, he's not in it, but that voice, I think my first impression Mm -hmm. of Vincent Price was hearing him in thriller when he did the, the, you know, the rap in thriller. And then he was on, I think like Joan Rivers talk show and, and she talked him into doing it on, on air. And it was so eerie seeing his face and like him doing it in person. It's like, when you hear um, like the, the girl that does Bart Simpson's voice, when you see her do it, it's like, (laughs) alarming it, like is almost like a shock to your body where like you, you know in your mind you just you, you you can hear Bart's voice but you see someone else doing it when you hear him do that verse it's just so fucking cool um and and to me that will always be like a huge i mean one of the biggest songs of all time and to get vincent price in there to do to like rap a verse in the middle of it is fucking you know the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever
2: yeah absolutely yeah, but- i always forget too you, he's in The Great Mouse Detective. He voices the villain in that movie, and I actually think that might have been my first... I know, like, I never saw his face in that, but, like, that voice, it's there. It's in that movie, and that might have been my first Vincent Price movie, actually, if I think about it. Great Mouse Detective. Incredible movie.
0: I don't, I've don't. i never seen it. I uh, it's it. like...
2: It's 80s Disney, it's based on Sherlock Holmes, but with animals, you know, because that's what Disney does, mm-hmm. and he voices Professor Radigan, who is like the uh, the Sherlock Holmes character's arch nemesis. he's essentially the Moriarty of the great mouse detective. It's great. <laughs> it's fun, you guys should watch it.
0: Add it to my ever-growing list of movies I need to see.
2: Oh yeah, I was going to tell you, Tad. If you, if you ever do watch Legally Blonde for this show, I, I want to be on that episode.
0: I won't do it without you. That's a promise. Okay. okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Is Vincent Price in Legally Blonde?
1: Uh,
2: No, but I wish
0: he was. <laughs> I think he was we, in the
1: original Legally Blonde.
0: Right. I think we watched uh, From a Whisper to a Scream on uh, Attack of the Killer podcast. That looks familiar. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like scrolling through. He's in dead heat, which is amazing. Like that movie I saw on Joe Bob for oh. the first time. That is absolutely bonkers. Um, and then, I haven't of course, seen that one. The uh, mm. the Tim Burton stuff. You know, uh, I, I just remember Edward Scissorhands is, is right up there. My top three Tim Burtons, and um, mm-hmm. yep. you know, watching it as a kid and seeing him as the inventor. He's barely in the movie, and it's the most heart wrenching scenes. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he absolutely. Steals that movie, you know. It's like every time he's on screen, I just want to fucking cry. So uh, that says a lot. And he he has like three lines.
1: So yeah, yeah. He's, he's incredible also, in that. He's also in The Invisible Man Returns.
2: Which yes, is, which and it's is just uh, his voice.
1: Which is just his voice until like the final scene of the movie, and he doesn't have his iconic mustache. So it's like a double take where it's like, I know that's Vincent Price, but it's like. But is that Vincent Price, not just the voice, the guy that was the invisible man who gets turned back, you know, to human form? Uh, yeah. This voice, I mean, Invisible Man, like, whoever voices him, obviously, from the original one and then to Vincent Price, it's like, you gotta have a pretty like, damn iconic voice, so why not grab Vincent Price to do it? And I think, like, yeah. is this, like, the only Invisible Man, like, actual sequel? that they did or was there another one i know i watched all these like um the beginning of the pandemic and they all uh, yeah started, i all think all the universal monsters started to blend together in the sequels because
2: after that they do the invisible woman which is like a screwball comedy that really doesn't have anything to do with the first two and then i i want to say the fourth one is like invisible agent which is literally yeah. like a world war Two propaganda film and it's incredible and i love it <laughs>
0: And then, oh, yeah, John Carpenter did the Chevy
1: Chase one. Yep. Not, not in the same Oh, universe my God,
0: level. he yeah. did? Yeah.
1: And then Kevin Bacon did Hollow Man, which yes. I watched for the first time yeah. last week, too, in that movie Rules.
0: Yeah, that one. I, I haven't seen that I, in a while. We would watch that at slumber time. parties because it had, you know, some, some boobies and it had some violence. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, we could get away with it at slumber parties. It was mm-hmm. like, it's just Invisible Man. And, you know, of course, mom would go upstairs and we'd all watch it in, in the basement, and it was cool. But the. the I, I don't know, just to say you've seen it and check it off your Chevy Chase and John Carpenter checklist. I, I own the Shout Factory Blu-ray. I have no shame. It's probably both of their worst movies. Um, it was <laughs> you have an Invisible Man movie with Chevy Chase. Who do you think should be a director? Oh, probably John Carpenter. Do you think it should be a comedy? No. Like some horrible choices, you know. It's just like how
2: did I not know about that? I'm I'm definitely gonna seek this down and watch it because yeah. they've done
0: everything they can to make sure you did mm-hmm. not know about it because it was a huge huge bomb. It, it really hurt John Carpenter's career and Chevy Chase's career. It was supposed to be his like um introduction into dramatic acting. He wanted to get away from comedy uh, and. I think Carpenter wanted to get away from the horror stuff a little bit. And he did that with Starman. Starman's a fucking fantastic film. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is not this is just like the wrong things, all th- the, the wrong ingredients all put together into a not so good cake. It's it's almost interesting as a train wreck to be like, how did this happen?
2: That probably means I will love it because I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I there is a sense of joy I get from watching something like the Tom Cruise mummy. which i know sounds crazy to say but like there's just something about that movie where i'm like what were they gonna do with this franchise moving forward with all these choices that they made here like i just it's so insane and i love it um yeah they were gonna
1: reintroduce chevy chase's invisible man to that universe
2: Oh my God. If he would have been part of the dark universe, like sign me up, (laughs) sign me up for another Chevy chase. And I haven't even seen his first one. I still want a sequel.
0: If nothing else, I will say something nice about that movie and say that the visual effects were ahead of their time. And they're really cool. It was wasted on a pretty bad movie. And Carpenter almost never, ever, ever, ever talks about it. Like it's, he'll talk about the ward. He'll talk about ghost of Mars. He'll talk about some of the real duds he had. Um, it's like that movie is invisible itself. Like it just does not, people forget that he did it. Yeah. It's just sort of, it's weird. It's, it's almost to the point where it, it's like he just willed it out of existence by, it's not like he's actively telling people he doesn't want to talk about it. People just don't realize it's just, it's just sort of forgotten. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, two guys at the top of their game, but not their game um made a bad film and we f- because of their past we forgive them and move on and pretend it didn't happen it's best for everybody just to to pretend it didn't happen
2: hmm yeah i'm not gonna lie everything that you're saying right now just <laughs> tells me i'm gonna love it because like my top three craven for me is my soul to take which everybody's like that's this worst one and i'm like i don't know man That that movie's a lot of fun <laughs> But you can just chalk that up to I probably have terrible taste. So
0: Brian Collins, he's one of my favorite horror authors. He is a stand for that movie, too. So there's two of you. Mm. I've never seen it. Yes.
2: Oh, man, I I dig it a lot. It is Mm -hmm. it is Craven throwing everything from his career into one movie like he didn't know if he was going to make another one after that. And it's messy as hell. But I have such a blast with it.
0: I've oh, seen cursed. I've seen cursed the uh at least uh, a <laughs> theatrical cut. I would love to see what he intended to do with it, but uh after that I'm like yeah. I think I'm good on, you know, non-scream craving mm-hmm. for a bit and uh na- maybe now's a good time to revisit it because, you know, it's he's Have bit- you checked out Red Eye? Yeah, that's really good.
2: Okay. I was about to see, say Red all- Eye came after Curse, but that one was really solid.
1: All three of those are in my Craven blind spot. It's like from I don't know, from like his not his like 90 stuff until like scream is like an empty space of craving for me. Like I, I've never seen red hmm. eye. I've never seen cursed. I've never seen You've my seen soul to take shocker. I have not seen shocker either. I, I haven't seen shocker, shocker either. I've never seen it. That would be a fun one
0: to do on this show for you because it's an, another one of those movies. That's absolutely unbelievable. This, that someone uh, more than someone, a group of people got together and put money into this movie. And it's like, how did this happen? It's, it's, it's really something it has its following, but I don't think it's, it's almost ironic. Like people follow it because it's like the room where it's like, (laughs) this this is how the fuck did this happen? How did a studio make this film? It doesn't make any sense from so much talent. And this got this, this hit the theaters and they thought it was going to be a franchise where they had a new, like Freddy Krueger, very, very strange, part of his catalog it's amazing that he got work after that but scream he had his resurgence and you know god bless west craven so mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's cool uh yeah if you ever want to do a shocker episode i'll i'll gladly be on we'll that do shocker
0: <laughs> we'll do legally blonde uh you know we have all kinds of stuff you guys aren't getting away from
1: podcasting hell yeah <laughs> no, there's there's so many first time watches we still have out there and that's always awesome to find a new one even if it was like a lukewarm one like pit in the pendulum it's always like well what's the next one that we can watch is it right. this weird john carpenter invisible man movie with chevy chase or is it legally blind mm.
0: it leads us all all roads lead to uh chevy chase i don't know um let, let's <laughs> I take hope a, i hope <laughs> not let's take a quick break and hear from the prescribed film podcast network and then we'll come back with some trivia <laughs> okay there's not a whole lot of trivia and i always warn people at the beginning um i'm just pulling it straight from imdb so it could be complete bullshit but uh <laughs> i was i was actually surprised there wasn't more i feel like a Vince price movie that people dig deep into them especially a roger corman one but um right, i guess that uh, kind
2: of surprises me
0: yeah so there's all, uh, just a little bit here um to increase the pendulum sense of deadly menace director roger corman took out every other frame during the editing stage to make the blade appear to move twice as fast so a really cool little cheap trick that um you know an experienced uh editor director in roger corman just makes it look way cooler like now the pendulum would probably be completely cgi or you know film they would film it in a faster you know speed and and play it back uh just just cool to think that he just cut literally cut out every other frame and made it look like it was going faster. I
1: love that. Yeah, that's dope. That's awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the, the pendulum's effects in this movie are incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. And I love the sound design behind it too. Yep. Like it's it's such a it's such a slow, clunky sound, but it has so much menace behind it. And I love that you kind of hear it at the beginning. Before, Mm -hmm. like right when you're introduced to Price is a little teaser right before, you know. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. I love that.
0: Well, here's some more pendulum trivia. Actor John Kerr was worried about being strapped down to the table with the pendulum above him for the movie's climax. In order to demonstrate that it was perfectly safe, director Roger Corman stood in for Kerr while the scene was being set up. So he laid down on the table just to assure John Kerr, the uh, actor that. Uh, was actually going to be under it like it's okay, you know, I'm under it. And, you know, thank God we didn't hurt Roger Corman. But uh, that's a good director. (laughs) That's like, I'll I'll do it here. You know, Mm -hmm. sort of shows shows that, uh, you know, he's dedicated and wants to make sure his his, uh, cast feels safe. And uh, the pendulum was made out of wood and had a rubber blade, which uh, looks pretty convincing on screen for 1961.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, We talked a little bit about this earlier, but this was the second of Roger Corman's Poe films after the House of Usher. He had intended to do the Mask of Red Death, but felt that it was too close to the content of Igmar Bergman's recent The Seventh Seal. Several Mm -hmm. years later, Corman would go to England to make the Mask of Red Death in 1964. So he just waited instead and and did them in, in different order than he originally intended
2: that makes sense because, like, I, I, I'm not kidding when I say House of Usher and Pit and the Pendulum are very similar. And to to know that those two were filmed back-to-back, I'm like, they had to have known that they were kind of repeating some stuff or at least some themes or elements. Um, so that actually makes sense. Mask of the Red Death is, is really good. I think you guys would like that one. Um, yeah. it's
0: It's on my uh and you guys saw the list it's on my list probably right next Mm -hmm. to this one because i just looked at i I have this like big blu-ray dvd shelves and i keep like three or four shelves with movies that as i if i get something as a gift or i order something during a, a sale or something i put it on this shelf so every time i come in and out of the movie room it's staring at me to say you know if i put it in alphabetical order with everything else i will ignore it it's there and it could sit there for five years unwatched if it's on this shelf i feel obligated now that i got the actual vincent price collection off the shelf unwrapped and put in the first disc it will sit on top of my 4k player like right in the room and it will you know vincent price's face will look at me every day and tell me you know get it watched so you know that will probably (laughs) happen
1: that's nice. a good idea though, to separate that your is. movies you've never seen before into like a pile that's like staring you at the face of like Well should I rewatch, you know, Halloween for the seventy fifth time or should I watch <laughs> you know Mask of the well. Red Death for the first first time?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh
2: yeah. I'm an avid rewatcher. If I didn't force myself to watch new movies, I'd just be watching the same like five over and over.
0: <laughs> well you guys are literally saying out loud the whole purpose of me creating this podcast was uh you know we do the unwrapped episodes on attack of the killer podcast where everyone has to pick a movie on their shelf that has is end of shrink wrap that they haven't watched that they've owned um and it's always one of my it's always my favorite episode because all of us have such different tastes and uh you know that was how i saw black sunday for the first time i've i owned a mario bava box set for like 10 years without seeing a single one of those things and it's it was utterly (laughs) embarrassing and when i finally had the chance and now doing that and doing this show it's like it's getting me to do that i i still have an embarrass embarrassingly large uh three shelves of movies that i've accumulated that i haven't seen but um you know it's 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 also motivating to keep the show going and and you know sort of hold myself responsible to actually watch the things i buy so
1: Nice.
0: So this film was shot in 15 days.
1: <laughs> what? What, yeah. what a Roger Corman thing to do. Yeah, two, two probably, weeks. Probably took that entire month to, to, to sh- shoot another movie.
0: Yeah, he was probably, uh, you know, disappointed that he couldn't get it in 14. They had to go over two weeks by a day. <laughs> um, and then also the final fact and trivia bit. This uh, is included among the, the AFI's 2001 list of 400 movies nominated this is really confusing the 2001 list of 400 movies nominated for the top 100 most heart-pounding american films so um i don't know what that even it, how is it a list of 400 <laughs> movies nominated for the top 100 so it was it's somewhere in the top 400 i guess is what they're saying is because it wasn't it's not included in the top 100 it's nominated i don't know but huh. the the AFI considers it one of the more heart-pounding American movies. I wouldn't say it made my heart pound all that much, but um I can imagine audiences in 1961 thought differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean it, I it, it might be in the
1: top it might be in the top 400. I'll agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the,
2: the pendulum sequence was tense. I you know, I wouldn't say heart-pounding, but it was definitely tense. I was like, "Oh man,
0: you know, Name is 399 is guy. Movies number three more. gonna
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> is is guy number three gonna make it out of here without getting turned into hamburger meat by a giant swinging blade. I don't know.
0: Yeah, my, my biggest defense of this movie for people listening who might not have seen it, um, even though we spoiled it for you, is that it's 80 minutes. And I love like mm-hmm. in, a, in a time where we're in three plus hour films, um and and i and i've praised sam raimi for making like the shortest marvel movie with uh doctor strange 2 it's only two hours i'm like Mm -hmm. let's get back to that no offense you know but we and i I enjoyed the batman and i enjoy you know end game needed to be three hours because it's end game but like not everything needs to be three hours and sometimes it's just nice knowing when you pop in a movie that's only 80 minutes so it's sort of like when you're watching it you don't at least for me i don't feel like the burden i'm like oh god how much longer is it because i'm like this is going to be over it's very fast it feels very fast you know
1: yeah if i'm scrolling through like streaming looking for something to watch where i'm like oh i I just want to watch one like one thing before bed it's like that that if it reaches that triple digits of 100 minutes or more i'm like nah i'm good yeah it's got to be the double digits only
2: one of the best things that Netflix ever did was create that 90 minute movie category. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just scroll through the, like, you know, Netflix isn't great with curation, but what they do have, I I do appreciate that they at least have something that's like, Hey, do you only have 90 minutes or do you only want to be sitting in front of the same movie for 90 minutes? Here's a list of selections for you because I I'm very much I mean, we 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 talked about it on Backlot a lot. I I like short movies. Me too. I do not like long mm-hmm. movies. I'm I'm with you. I liked the Batman a lot. I'm pretty sure I gave it five stars. Actually, I really dug the <laughs> Batman, but it did not need to be three hours.
0: Yeah. And and I'm very guilty of uh, even digging deeper when I'm on Netflix and I'm scrolling and there's a new show I want to check out and I look to see how long the episodes are and it's like an hour an episode. <laughs> I'm, yep. I'll find something that's 30 minutes and I'll watch three episodes, which is an hour and a half. But if you want me to dedicate one hour to one episode, I'm out. Like, what, what is wrong with me? I, but I,
2: <laughs> oh, Tad, you are just talking about my inner. You're just you're yep. just spewing my inner monologue as I scroll through my streaming services. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so guilty of that and, and when I see the, these old movies when, when we came together and thought of this one I was like looked up the runtime I'm like oh hell yeah I can get this done after watching uh, Better Call Saul on Monday night and still get to bed at a normal hour I'm an old man you know I work the next <laughs> morning I'm like hell yeah let's let's do that one you know uh, and, and and like I said it's only 80 minutes you can fit two of these you know Poe Vincent price movies into one marvel movie and um Mm -hmm. you know take that jamie lee curtis i'm i'm calling out marvel too so uh ethan hawk's listening right now and he's gonna come at me you know he's gonna send me (laughs) some hate mail but um I, i said what i said okay so uh so i guess uh if people want to listen to the old backlot episodes um are you guys still gonna have them on all the streaming services on all the uh podcasts uh where people listen to podcasts i assume
1: yeah. Uh yeah, for now they are. I, I guess I don't know what will happen when like our you know, the service we use ends. Uh we'll see. But they're they're all on YouTube right now too, and that's I mean kind of our safe safe cushion of you can go back and listen or watch, I guess, on YouTube, uh every episode that we've ever done. But yeah, they're still all on like Spotify and Apple and stuff right now.
0: Good. Yeah. When I go back and like I see a movie that I for the first time I hadn't seen that you guys did, like I'll skip an episode if I haven't seen the movie, and mm-hmm. so I go back and I'm like, oh, they did that one. Go back and and now I can finally listen to it. It's almost like uh, it's like a little uh, treat for myself. I'm like, oh, I get to check out. So I hope they don't, you know, ever disappear completely because yeah. because you guys have created a huge back catalog and some really fantastic stuff. And as of listening to this, if you're listening to this Monday, you guys have already recorded your final episode but um i will i will still you know plug it because i assume you guys are are not just doing it because it is a live episode right
2: yeah it's a live yes. episode but That'll it will be, be, be available to okay. read yeah on our on our facebook and youtube pages it'll be it'll be up still so
0: and and the final know. episode is an epic one right what what is the uh
1: our final episode is our like we were talking about Avengers Endgame episode uh of like we we're, we're like if we're going to go out we're going to go out with a bang we're going out like like iron man um so it's going to be us and three other podcasting groups uh all together in a what did we say it was a 12 person panel right
2: yeah it's 12 yes. it's a 12 person panel we're calling it tag team turmoil <laughs>
1: Cause wrestling, we like
2: alliteration <laughs> <laughs> and wrestling, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> uh
1: yeah so four different teams we're gonna be kind of competing collaborating uh, together to make the top 20 Marvel Cinematic unit Marvel Cinematic universe list um, so I guess by this time that list will be made um I guess we'll I'll see probably
2: have been angrily shouting at people for two hours because that's how our live streams usually go. <laughs>
0: sam is going to be fighting hard for um doctor strange 2 because it's only two hours and that's his only yes. argument it's the best because of that actually we can say this because
1: this already happened me and sam freaking love the new doctor strange movie so oh we're gonna God. be pushing that towards the top we if do. we can so I,
0: I i really enjoyed it too i mean it's a sam raimi movie in the marvel mm-hmm. universe he somehow bless him got away with just making his own thing you know it Mm -hmm. it almost makes me more sad that we didn't get an edgar wright ant-man but um you know Mm -hmm. opens up door i hope i hope we see more of this you know i really love that in a universe that in my personal feelings was getting a little stale at times like black widow i was sort of like but sam raimi coming in and adding his not just personal chutz but making it his own that really um got me sort of reinvigorated and excited again so
2: yep there's just one moment going into the third act just the lightning strike and i won't say anything more for people who haven't heard it but there's a lightning strike about 40 minutes before the end of the movie and after that i was just like yep i'm like this is this is maybe my favorite marvel movie <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I, uh, to, I'm
0: excited to listen to you guys fight it out and figure this out because I've, I've been on the show when you guys um, would do the, the horror one where we had to count back and forth and me and Jason were on for horror scores. And that was, uh, yes. that was intimidating. Oh, that was a fun episode. Yeah. That was intimidating and a bit tense for us. And I'm like, I can't imagine doing the Marvel movies. This is going to be, uh, no wonder it's your last episode. You guys are all going to hate each other when you're, done. <laughs> Whether you wanted Probably. it to be or not, you didn't even have to announce it was going to be the final one. It would have been the final one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this 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 uh, this podcast is going to end friendships.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Half okay. of us will be snapped away into dust. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm just so excited to hear you guys are, are continuing to work in the, the film circles and, and making new stuff and... Uh, can't wait to see what you guys have coming down the line. Uh, you know, get out there, get it made, uh, keep in touch. We'll have you guys back on the show anytime. Um, if you guys have something you want to see and talk about, and now that you don't have a podcast, hit me up, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. So, um, and hopefully, oh man, I, I look forward you're to, gonna, s-
2: you're going to, you're going to regret opening that door. Nope. Pat. I'm going <laughs> to nope. be texting you like every week.
0: No, no. Uh, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always looking for guests that are, you know, even fellow podcasters, what's better than having fellow podcasters they like talking about movies that's what they do so you guys are like the best kind of guests to have
2: (laughs) Hell yeah
1: well anytime anytime you want to have us back on tad that that would be awesome Uh, we're always down to talk movies and i think we're trying to make it to halloween apalooza again this year so hopefully we'll be able to hang out in person again so that yes hopefully will happen in october
0: Yes, and, and sure off the mic, so. I have some fun stuff to tell you guys about. Um, so, yeah, sorry for the listeners. Oh. Um, I'm teasing you guys, but um, I guess we'll, we'll close on that because I don't want, I, I can't wait to tell you guys about this. Um, but, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for being on.
2: Yeah, thanks hey, for yeah, having me, thank Stad.
0: Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.